Carl from Rosemead. Yes. This was the best. Hello and welcome. We are back from the ballerlifestyle.com. It's the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Brian Beckner. Thank you once again for joining the show. Uh, a special episode and a bonus episode, but not a behind the paywall bonus episode. So this is just this is just juice. This is just extra. You guys get a little you guys get a little taste, a little sniff, a little more. Uh but if you if you would like to get some of our bonus stuff, you can do that. We're on redcircle.com. If you just click the player that you're listening to the show on right now, look at the episode notes. There is a link where you can subscribe and donate and get all of our bonus content. It's an extra show, pretty much. Like I said, I don't want to commit to that because I get lazy sometimes, but you get a lot more um, and it doesn't cost very much. So redcircle.com or you just go to the ballerlifestyle.com. There's a link at the top of the page. Click there. And you can donate, you can subscribe, whatever you want to do. We appreciate it. Uh, off the board this week, no Ed Daly with us. I had something kind of pop up. There's somebody that I've been wanting to talk to for a long time, and I have the opportunity to now. So uh, without much further ado, I'm joined by Molly McAleer. You probably know her uh, sh- on Twitter. She's Malls on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. She's got a bunch of podcasts. She's a maven. I'm stoked to have her. Molly, what's up? Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. How's it going? Good. It's so nice to talk to you. I feel like we've been following each other on the internet for such a long time. So it's, you know, always nice to like hear someone's voice and know that they're a real person. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I actually know, I actually know how I became aware of you. You're, you're one of these people that's very tuned in. I don't want to say extremely online, but you're like so much more than that. You're you, you had a YouTube channel before that was even a thing to have a YouTube channel. You're killing it with podcasts and everything. Um, you blogging, writing, you've, you've been around and you've done it all. And it's, it's really impressive because I'm such a dinosaur and I don't have any ability whatsoever, whatsoever to, to tune into the internet. But I remember specifically how you came into my awareness, I got a text from my sister Mm -hmm. and she was at the UCB theater and it was a hello giggle show and you were on stage and she's like, Hey Brian, I'm at this show right now. And this girl Molly is on stage and she's telling a story about Carl and Rosemead. Carl from Rosemead. (laughs) Yes. And my sister happened to know that I'm a personal friend of Carl and Rosemead. And she's like, is, this is crazy, right? And I'm like, yeah. So hold, I'm just going to play Carl for the... Oh, I'm I'm like smiling here to hear. I'm so fucking excited because I don't think I've heard Carl from Rosemead for a minute. I'm going to play. I'm going to play Carl right now. Just, just to... There might be some people in my audience not familiar with this gentleman. And then we can talk about him. Here he goes. Okay. All right, let's keep moving. I got to get you in here. All right. Have a take. Don't suck. Carl. Rosemead. Carl, what's up? Hey, man. How you doing? Good. Good. You know, LeBron James wearing that 
Yankee hat to the Indian game? I mean, that's the worst idea since showing up to a party with a boner and sweatpants. I mean, what is he going to do with <laughs> Jim wasn't I mean, happy. you got to be kidding me about that, right? <laughs> we, you know what? Yeah, hold on. Let's, let's let Jim get pissed I, for I'm second. not going to stay on that point very long. I'm not going to belabor it. Because it's only going to encourage other jackasses. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is why this man's genius, by the way. Go ruin somebody else's talk show. Go ruin somebody else's life. Don't do it. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a jackass. Don't do it to my talk show. Unbelievable. I've worked way too hard. For the, idiots like that. The disrespect. Molly, do you do you recall where you were when you first encountered Carl from Rosemead? And, and what are your thoughts on him and his deal? Okay. So, I mean, I think honestly, well, I'm always, I, I've always been like a radio person. Um, I love radio. That's why I do podcasts is because I didn't go through the training to do radio. Same girl. Yeah, but um, I think, honestly, I have to give credit to an ex-boyfriend, I think, who was a sports fan and did listen to Jim Rome. And um, I remember he was listening to clips and I was like, what is this Carl from Rosemead thing? And just like the disproportionate anger um, (laughs) that Jim, that Jim, like, you know, the the wave of rage that came over him was just tickled me beyond. And I think the first clip I heard was, um, I think like a homeless man took a a piece of bird, a piece of bread from a duck and, (laughs) and Jim was going off about, you think this man wants to live this way? You think he wants to roll up on ducks? Um, And, you know, I am I can also be very naive and like live in the world that I want to live in. So it never occurred to me that Carl from Rosemead was a plant. What? Is that true? Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently, Carl from Rosemead was like a um, was like a a kind of like a friend of Jim's or someone that they encouraged to call like these ridiculous anecdotes. So that Jim could have that reaction. That's, that's not the Carl I know. I'm, the, I am so sorry. I hope I, I would love it if you told me that that wasn't true because I've been so bummed out by it for years. I don't I don't know necessarily firsthand one way or the other if Carl and Rose mean is an actual person. I mean, I have my suspicions, but uh, I, I, I would rather kind of like. Santa Claus or, totally. you know, like it's, it's better to believe. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you know, that's, I, uh, yeah, Carl Rosemead. <laughs> like, I love how he, I love how <laughs> he always introduces him like this. I don't know. I just, it's one of my favorite, um, little clips from, from the internet. I, it cracks me up every time. It's very matter of fact. And I, I like Carl's the metaphor he makes because his <laughs> what he's talking about right is LeBron James he went to a uh Indians you know he played in Cleveland so he went to an Indians Yankees game i think i'm probably wrong 
uh, wearing a Yankees hat. And Carl said that's akin to going to a party where with a boner in sweatpants, which is like who goes to a party in sweatpants, first of all? Honestly, after this, probably me. Right. But, well, uh, no. Yeah. This Zoom was, party. This was the bisp. This was the boner and sweatpants moment. <laughs> and that, do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> and it really like it, it really <laughs> took off because the thing is, is it's so childish, too. Right. Like it's it's unbelievable yes. how angry it made him. Um, and, it you know, it is again, it's such a lazy analogy. It's so like shock jock like that would. You would think that would be up Jim Rome's alley, right? Because that's right. what he does. Right. But um, like it was um, it was almost like, don't bring me down to this level. Like, I don't want to be one of those shows where people call and say crude things like, how dare you do that on my show? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the reaction he was able to get from him it, for such a honestly, like sort of like an inconsequential, like nothing thing to say right. was it, it has. Yeah, it blows my mind. I love it. It really walks the line because uh, on its face, it's the least funny thing you could ever imagine. And yet it's endlessly hilarious. Like you can't you, <laughs> you listen to it and it's fucking funny every single time you hear it. Yeah, when you um, DM'd me to come on this, you were like, here's some things we could talk about. And like the first thing was Carl from Rosemead. And I laughed just seeing his name because yeah. <laughs> it's just like one of the most absurd, special things that I, I think I've ever come across online. Like, it, especially, you know, not necessarily being a sports fan. I'm from Boston. So, sure. like, you know, you have to you are in some sense, a sports fan just by being born there. But, um, yeah, I love it when something outside of my typical range of interests catches my eye. And of course, like this is, yeah, this is exactly that. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned being from Boston and you're one of the few people from Boston that doesn't lead with the fact that they're from Boston. What is it about the regional pride of the Boston area that it's something that first of all, the thing about Boston is, and I've, I've never been, it's, it's, you know, the, one of the birthplaces of this country and it's, it's, there's amazing history there and I'm sure it's a beautiful place. I've heard nothing but good things, but a lot of people from there leave there and then they go other places, but it, they're very much about being from Boston. Can you help me understand that? You know, I, I have to say, I'm not sure I can, because now that you mention it, I have lived in California for 14 years. I think I passed that anniversary on July 2nd. Congratulations. And, oh, yeah, I did it. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I still think of myself as being from Boston, first and foremost. Like, I've never adopted this as my I'm not even registered to vote here because I don't have a state ID. Like, I, I do absentee in Massachusetts, which I'm pretty sure is illegal. Um, but I yeah, I just um, this is like it's honestly it's the best place to grow up. I'm so glad that I grew up there. Um, I'm I know that probably most people feel that way to an extent about where they grew up. Seems but like it. Yeah. Especially Boston. Just, 
Yeah, there's just like, you know, the weather is very punishing, except for like three magical months in the summer. We are again, like, as you said, we are a very um, historical city. I grew up in Lexington, Massachusetts, um, scene of, you know, the Paul Revere right around the world bullshit. So I grew up going on field trips to my own town a lot. <laughs> such a like a lame thing that I'm not sure most people can relate to like yeah we did the Lowell Mills we did the you know this and that but for the most part our field trips would be to the center of our own town and like going around to all the historical homes I think there's just a lot of loyalty there I mean yes we started winning championships and you know when we were, when I was in um, college I think the first Super Bowl we won was when I was in college but my grandmother died without ever seeing the Red Sox win a World Series. Like we were a, a like a real loser ass city. We had our hockey, but like for the most part, yeah, like Massachusetts, you really um it's it's just a very loyal, it's a very loyal place. Um you know, there's a lot of problems in the city. Like I looking back, you know, it's very shocking having lived in California for so long to realize like how segregated the city is. Um, you know, there's this like informal segregation and I walking around, I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, mom, everyone here is white, like everyone. And she was like, that's not true. And I was like, no mom, I've been like looking and like (laughs) everyone, I've been really paying attention and everyone here is white. Um, and that is, you know, disconcerting, but I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just proud to be from there, you know, and very, um, I still like retweet like the local hip hop station, Jamma 94.5. They like tweeted about Cape Cod fireworks happening. Um, and I retweeted that, like, I just, there's like, you know, I, I just has a very special place in my heart. I can't speak for why most people are like that, but I will, um, cop to being keenly aware of the fact that, so many people from Boston move out here and move directly to Santa Monica. Like they <laughs> love that beach culture. Santa Monica is like little Boston in LA. It like is, it's just, yeah, there's like Red Sox sports bars there. It's a very, um, it's very funny to me how, and of course, Whitey Bulger was found there. Like right. he's like, one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, rest in peace. Um, but like, yeah, it's, um, it is a thing. I'm not really sure what it is. It's it's difficult to describe if you are living in it. Um, but I think we're also very proud of like education there. Like yeah, it's, it's very good schools. It's very New England, and yeah. um, and that is like it's interesting. Like just to contextualize like certain things, um, you know like ways certain stories are told as someone being from new England, you can always say, well, like, here's the, Ooh, Jesus. You can always be like, well, here's the thing. Like the way that people think in new England is, you know, X, Y, Z. It's a very specific sort of state of mind, um, in that part of the country. And if you haven't been there, like it, you totally like, you would never guess. I don't think. Don't get it. Yeah. I'm so it's sounds kind of like orange County in the whiteness part, because I'm from orange County and it's, we're all white here, but also uh, none of us really, there's no bond between the, the locals here. We're not, we're not proud to be from orange County as far as I can tell. 
It's um also it's pretty um Republican down there, huh? Um yes. Yes, it is. I don't know. It's yeah. it's, it's like the place in California where the blonde girls who live there listen to country music. That's how I always think of it. Yeah, I mean that is, I see why people see it like that. And that definitely does exist here. I try to tell people, I'm like, um, they're like, where do you live? They're like, is that San Diego? Where do you live? I go, just drive South until you're overwhelmed by the hideousness of the architecture. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> where everybody's house is peach with a yeah. fake Spanish roof. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, and ever you can't tell if you're at the right house, cause they all look exactly fucking identical. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's where I live. Um, so yeah, that does exist, but I don't really know. I don't really commingle with those people. So while I've grown up here and I know that that is the reputation and I always hate my congressman <laughs> living here, I guess I It's, I'm always kind of like stunned when people are like, Oh, you're like, you live in that Republican place. And I'm like, Oh, I do. <laughs> I don't, I don't know any of them, Yeah, but they're around. It's, um, I just watched, um, and I listened to, and I watched dirty John, um, which is like OC centric, of course. course. Um, And I just, when I was recapping it with my friend, Nicole for our quarantine podcast, I just kept like marveling at how it's so different than LA. Like it's a very specific culture and, um, from the outside, and, uh, yeah, it's, um, I don't know much about Orange County. I have to be honest with you. I think I, I went to San Diego right. once you for Comic-Con. Yeah. You skipped over Orange County. Yeah. But I've never really, I've never really spent time there at all. I can't, I, if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't remember ever being there. So, but that's California. Like there's yeah. so many places in California that I will probably never see. I can't remember. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about a city in orange County and it might've been like Stanton or something. And, and I was like, I lived in orange County my entire life. And if you walked into the room right now and said, and, and put $10 million in a briefcase on the table and took away my phone and said, go ahead and drive to directly to Stanton right now. And you can have this briefcase I would not, I would still be just as poor as I am right now because I could not for the life of me find Stanton. Yeah. I feel that way about so many places like Oxnard, Whittier, like Whittier's one of them. Yeah. What, like what, what is that? Like, I have no idea what that is. And people, you know, it's, it's like, um, anything else people from out of state will be like how far away is that from you and i'm like i have no fucking idea yeah. like i don't for as far as i know that place is fictional like it, it may not exist i only know of it because sometimes it's in like the news but for yes. the most part those places don't you know no one clocks them Do you, so oxnard is easy like whittier i have no clue i'm I think that's in orange county but i also think it's in la i know like i can kind of picture where it is. I think the 605 freeway might be involved. I could, okay. but Whittier is one of those places I could never get you. I think I dated a girl whose grandma lived in Whittier and we went and picked <laughs> up a couch there one time. 
Okay. But I could never get you there. Now, Oxnard I could do because that's on the way to Santa Barbara. You just go when you get past like Thousand Oaks, Calabasas, just keep driving a little bit. You'll just drive right through Oxnard. That's easy. Okay. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't know where to get off. Like I wouldn't know, like, here's the exit to Oxnard, but I'd like have an idea of where that is. Yeah. I lost my train of thought. I thought of something funny and then I just started yarning forever. Um, Oh, Oh, go ahead. Okay. That reminds me of, of like people not being from here. You know, Lauren Sanchez, the girlfriend of Jeff Bezos. Yes. She used to be a newscaster here. Okay. And I think she might be from here. And she went to USC and she used to be a newscaster on channel 13, like in the nineties. Uh huh. And she would mispronounce all the cities. <laughs> okay. Like, and she's very, you know, she's very pretty. So there's, it wasn't an accident that she was on TV and I'm not, and I, I don't want to doubt her bona fides because I know she went to USC and I know she's very accomplished and I don't, I don't mean to demean her in any way other than when she'd be like, let's go out to Skycopter 13. Who's over Glenn Dolly right now. <laughs> She'd know that's I'm that's that not that's so, probably on YouTube. That's a first of all, I as a as the queen of Glendale, that's egregious. <laughs> Glenn Dolly. No, it's Glenn Dolly from now on. Sorry. Glenn Dolly for sure. But like, yeah, one thing about and again, not to like speak too broadly, but I'm gonna speak incredibly broadly. Be broad. Uh, California news does not seem to take itself very seriously. I mean, especially like LA, but yes. But in general, I find like California local news to be very informal. And um, that is, again, like that's not at all what I'm used to. That is not the New England way. They are very serious. Right. Real real news people. Yeah. But Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. God bless them. I mean, it's uh, that is really funny and good for good for her, by the way. Sure. Glenn Dolly. I um, I actually happen to be. My friends make fun of me because I'll just come in. I'll just come home in the afternoon and I'll throw on the local news like while I'm cooking dinner or whatever. And my buddy Jason's always like, what? Why do you watch the local news? And I'm like, I don't. And he's like, well, it's on right now. And I go, yeah, but I have this thing where I can't. It's like that Burgess Meredith episode of the of the Twilight Zone where he he loves to read and he's like in this in this bank vault and the and there's like a nuclear apocalypse and he comes out and he's so happy that he's the only man in the world and he can read all the books and then he drops his glasses. I have like the opposite of that. I can't exist in a world where I think I'm alone completely. So I throw on the local news because I know that somewhere in a studio in Burbank they are re- they're actually saying the words I'm listening to at that moment and for some reason that comforts me and I don't expect everyone to understand but I'm a I'm a channel 7 guy KABC eyewitness news and there's this there's this uh newscaster on channel 7 KABC eyewitness news Mark Brown he's a black guy and he's been doing the news here forever and I Every day, every time the news is on and it's his co-anchor is speaking at some point during the newscast and Molly 
This has been going on for years. Okay. While the female anchor, at some point, he'll go, (coughs) and he'll cough. And now it's got to be really bad for him because of the vid and everybody's freaked out and everything. But then I was in Burbank not that long ago and I was having breakfast with a friend of mine and we, we came walking out of the restaurant and I see walking down. And this is, this is one of the great mistakes of my life. I'm one of these guys. I have a really good idea like 10 minutes after I should have done it. Here comes walking the other direction. KABC news anchor, Mark Brown and his family, his big, tall, strapping, good looking, older man, beautiful family, young children. He comes walking the way and I go, fuck, that's Mark Brown. And he, he's walking past me. And as I'm walking past, it's all I could do. All I wanted to say is, Hey Mark, how's the cough? <laughs> but I could, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And if I, it's, what time is it? It's 5.30 Pacific time. I don't know what, I think he probably does, the 5 or the 6 o'clock news. I could turn on the TV right now, and if I let that whole newscast play, at some point, while the other anchor is speaking, he would cough. And it's like, I could set my watch to it, and it's, I love it. I just love knowing that exists. And I love that, like you were saying, the, how the local news here is, it's basically YouTube <laughs> clips now. Right, right. <laughs> It's amazing. They're like, hey, look at this person jumped off a roof and didn't make it into the pool. We, here's a clip. And they just show they should just show YouTube links. And the and the weather chicks are all like super banging like model chicks. Yeah. It's like, they're not even it's like it's like the RoboCop news. It's like we've we're in idiocracy. We're not even pretending to inform people anymore. Yeah, that is that is so funny. You know, the thing is, I bet if you asked him about the cough, he wouldn't know what you were talking about. But his his wife would like it. I have to say it seems passive aggressive. I haven't even I don't even like, you know, I haven't even seen the guy. I don't know the clip. I don't know what you're talking about. Just hearing it, it sounds passive aggressive because what are the odds that he would have this tickle in his throat? Yes. Every day around the same time while his female co-host is speaking, not to be too much of a conspiracy theorist, but I I believe that this is a passive aggressive trait he's developed and he doesn't like it when he's not talking. Fuck. Just read into it a little too much next time you watch and see see if you feel the same way. No, you you just solved it. Is that it? That's got to be it. Right. It seems like one of those things where it's like just a little like throat clear or a little cough. And it's like, when are we going to get back to me? It's discomfort that it's not about him in the moment. That is see, as a man, this is, this is, this is the disparity as men we're really dumb and we're not keyed in to these little passive aggressive nuances that happen between men and women. And I, I say that because it's, he's always with a woman, right? It's not, it's yeah. not two men ever doing a newscast. It's always a man and a woman. And it's so it's always a woman talking and he always <coughs> just a little, <coughs> not like a full coughing attack. And also just, you got You got a lavalier mic 
on your lapel, on your jacket, buddy. Just you're a pro. You've been you've been doing this news a while. That's you've been- it. That's that's exactly the thing. That's what made me think it was passive aggressive yes. because you go to school for that, baby. Yeah. Like you're trained to not make like you. little stray wild noises on the news. And he's choosing to do it. So I think that his wife would know about it. I think maybe his kids would start to catch on. But I feel like that he's uncomfortable that it's not about him in that moment. And he's gearing up to say his next thing. This is nuts. This is I can't believe I never thought about that till this moment. But I've become like very sensitive to passive aggression. Like I would say in the last like five or six years, because for so long, I didn't even realize I was dealing with a passive aggressive person. I just thought they had like a weird personality disorder of yep. some kind. And then it hit me. I, I did something minorly passive aggressive yep. um, and I hated it. I hated the feeling of it. I was like, ew, I, first of all, I feel like that's been done to me before. And that is so out of character. I would, I don't, I don't behave like that. Um, and then it was like this moment of clarity of like, oh, that's what it is. That's, right. that's the thing, you know, it's yes, I get it. I, you're, you're speaking to my heart right now because I was in a similar situation and because I'm an empath, I would always make an excuse for the the person in my situation that would, oh. Right? I'm such I will I will find an excuse for anybody. You yeah. could kill me and I would be justifying why it was okay yeah. as, as I was bleeding out on the floor. Yeah. I would be like running scenarios on what made that person do that. And it's 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 um really bad. Like I wouldn't say it's like just being, you know, an empathetic person, I would say there's like, it's probably rooted in some deeply like unsolved issues or like, you know, childhood stuff where you're just trying to like self soothe by trying to forgive the person actively and make it okay. Um, I'm pretty sure like if I talk to a therapist about it, they would, they would have the right terminology for what that is. But yeah, like, come on. I, it, why I can't understand people who don't think that way. I don't, it's, well, I'm a lot older than you and it's taken me a long time to realize it, but I, I understand now that I am so deeply, deeply conflict avoidant Yeah, because I just growing up, you know, uh, it's hard to talk because I don't know who's listening, but you're. You, you grow up in a house where things are tense and you, the, that feeling is a shitty fucking feeling. Totally. And you become an adult and you're like, Hey, I'm starting to feel that feeling. How can I make it? Okay. How can I soothe everybody here so that I'm not feeling this feeling anymore? And what you do is you swallow the things you need and you push them to a place where you can't find them or they don't matter anymore. And then you look for that grenade and you throw your body on top of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm big on diffusing a situation and, or just even apologizing to get out of it. Just even if I didn't do anything wrong, um, you know, it's, yeah. But it ends up building up, right? Or at least 
I'll just speak from my own experience is that I just, I'll eat a lot of that where I'm like, Hey, this thing we're talking about is of no consequence to me. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And I, but I know I'm right. I know that I'm on the right side of this, but I'm going to give it to this other person because this other person needs it. They need to have this thing. They need to win right now. And if they don't, my life is going to get worse. So I give it to them, but it doesn't leave me. I keep it. I hold on to it. And then later it comes out. Does that, does that happen for you? Um, the only times I feel like that has really happened to me is when I'm with someone who is like unrelentingly willing to take that part of my personality and exploit it. Oh, like interesting. If, if I'm, you know, if I, it's like, especially like in a relationship, if I've somehow landed in a relationship where I am constantly compromising or just like letting things go, yep. um, and I realize retrospectively that the person has begun to like count on me doing that. Yes. That, that will at a certain point really make me snap because everyone has a breaking point. Right. Yep. And, and it can be frustrating because like with people like that, you try to approach an issue, um, as delicately as possible. And I find sometimes with like, especially narcissistic people, yes. the more thought and care that you put into how you're going to approach a subject, the more angry they get because they can tell that you're well thought through and they get very frustrated. They, it makes them like snap just that you, they can tell it's like, as if they can sense that you spent time thinking about a way to rationally explain something. Like processed your feelings that really bothers them. One hundred percent. I've found that when you just kind of like let everything go for a long time, and then at, you get to the point where you're like, "Oh, I got to look out for me now." Like I've let this go too long. I have to be. I have to advocate for myself, or else. I'm, I'm, I'm going to disappear. And then one day you do that. And the person with whom you've been allowing to run roughshod over your personality the entire time go, they, they don't know what, they don't know how to process this new Brian where they go, Oh, you're, you're responding to me. Like I just, I'm used to just doing what I'm going to do. I don't know how to take you in. I don't know who I'm talking to anymore. This is completely different. And the dynamic changes totally. And in my case, mostly irreparably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a dynamic, you know, that's totally a <laughs> dynamic. Yeah, yeah. I like basically at this point where I'm at, I don't think I've really dated anyone since Trump came into office. And I feel like it's partially that I just don't, I don't necessarily trust myself to make good decisions oh. with who I pick. So that's so I, adult. I mean, that's, it's like, honestly, at the end of the day, that that's what it comes down to. I'm like, I am the common denominator. I, 
I think that, yes, I definitely have my own complications that I bring to a scenario, but I think ultimately I really, um, pick the wrong people. And it's like, Molly, you're in timeout, girl. Like you just need to step away from this all together. And if it happens, it happens. But like, I don't, you know, I'm very like, I'm, I'm feel great by myself. I've really enjoyed quarantine as like an only child from a single mom. I was built for this exact scenario. I love being alone. I love just being weird in my place. And, you know, it's just, it's, um, it's, it's kind of been nice. And I guess sometimes it does freak me out a little bit. Cause I'm like, when are you, <laughs> this isn't normal. Like either, you know, just because you're okay with it doesn't mean it's, it's healthy. Um, but yeah, I'm like totally, I've totally like stepped away from all of that. And this is, this is something that maybe we can jam on for a minute. And okay. I think it's so interesting. I appreciate yeah. your insight. I'm into it. So I am not actively on any dating apps, but I do, I do love a dating app because I will go out just as a writer. I'll go out with anyone once. I don't care about, I don't care about anything about them. I will go out with anyone once just because of the story, just because I think it's interesting that we have this technology where you can meet people that you normally would never otherwise be in a room with. Um, so I have these dating profiles up and one of them is Raya and Raya is for that's a anyone- flex. That's a flex. Yeah. Molly's flexing right now. Okay. Keep going. Flex. No, yeah. I, I think I'm only on it because my friend, um, Steven like knows the guy who started it. Yeah. And so he was like, put my friend on this. Um, but anyways, so Raya is connected to your Instagram. So anyone who looks at your account can find your Instagram. And over quarantine, I've had two guys like bypass the Raya system and like come to my Instagram and message me and saying like, hey, this is sort of like not protocol, but I saw you on Raya and I wanted to come DM you. Uh, I hope that's cool. And I'm so... um disarmed by the balls of on a person like that just because I I don't think I put out that vibe like I have no no one has ever sent me a dick pic because I think I just give off the vibe of like she will ruin your life if you do that I think I have that vibe about me and also maybe I'm just like a loudmouth bitch and everyone knows it but um yeah, it's like I'm I'm so interested by that move and I'm like to to bypass the Raya system to go straight to the Instagram DM. And secondly, what is with all like this lonely horniness during quarantine? I understand, you know, yes, we are all very lonely, but like all these articles are coming out about like the dating boom that's happening. People are like meeting people for the first time because it's quarantine and they're lonely. And this has been such a great time for people's dating lives. And I'm like, just stay at home. Shut up. Like what's wrong with you? Like, why do you need to be out looking for the love of your life now? If anything, the fact that you put off like seeking a companion until there's a, a pandemic that is a red flag, honey. Like if you, if you weren't out there actively before basically the world was almost over, that tells me a lot about your headspace. But they were out there before, right? They're just doubling down on it now because they're because they're worried the world's going to end. They're, they're wor- worried that they're never going to be able to go out again 
and meet people. So they, it's like cuffing season, but like forever. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's so, it's so funny. And, um, yeah, it's like <laughs> this one guy like really had some balls on him. He like DM me and was like, Hey, um, we connected on Raya and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, no, we didn't. Right. Um, and then I realized that I have totally given my married friends, my phone, to just like go through Raya because they're fascinating. They just want to peek. They yeah. want to know what's going on on there. And like next thing I know, I'm matched with like Jonathan Lipnicki and this like 55 year old photographer or something. And um, this guy, he looks like Carrot Top and he like sends me a selfie of himself. And he's like, hey, we connected on Raya just reaching out. You know, these are crazy times. Um, text me if you want to talk. And he gives me his phone number. And I mean, I guess like shoot your shot, whatever. For but sure. I, it felt so um, aggressive to me yeah. to to send me a pic. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just I would be so embarrassed to roll up in someone's DMs and send them a selfie of myself and then be like, if you would like to take this to the next level, send me a text. Like, no, like we're now we're taking this to a third like communication point. I'm not comfortable with that, sir. So hundred percent agree that the guy's tact was bad, but I like the play, the circumventing of the riot is your, but your, your Instagram handle is not on your Raya, right? It's just your pictures. No, it's like, it's, um, the way that I guess like Tinder is linked to your Facebook Raya is linked to your Instagram. So that's, uh, I guess, like a part of, I think that's probably also how they make sure that everyone on there is real someone, you know, like you have to be someone. And I think that's gotten a lot looser um, over the years, but I think that that's how they, the people at Raya judge whether or not you're able to like be on the app, but also for people if you're Ben Affleck on Raya and you swipe on some model, you're going to want to go directly to her Instagram and, and get a better feel for who she is. So I think it's more of just like a transparency thing. Yes. As celebrities and famous people, wealthy people are fucking weird. And yeah. like, they're totally like, I don't do the background check. I hate being Googled. I hate Googling people. Yes. It feels invasive. Totally. It feels totally wrong. That's absolutely like how I will get murdered someday. But like, I just don't, I don't Google, but I think especially like people with a lot to protect, which is your average, you know, minor celebrity, they're going to want to go check out your Instagram. But you're not, you're not required to link your Instagram. You are. Oh yeah. That seems kind of murdery. It does seem a little murdery, but yeah. I mean, you know, these are not, the, these are not Craigslist casual encounters. This is, yeah. you know, they're trying to, they're trying to keep things above board over at Raya's. So that's how they get the Jonathan Lipnicki's of the world on there. Did you go on a date with Jonathan Lipnicki? I have not gone on a date with anyone from Raya. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I've ever even really spoken to anyone on Raya. I just had it and. I don't know. I don't want to date someone famous. Yes. Uh, so I'm very interested in this topic. I have a friend who was cucked by Haley Joel Osment. Imagine how that felt. 
why have I heard he's like a huge player? Like, I feel like I've heard yeah. that he's a player. That is so funny. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I love a cock. I love, I love the concept of cocking period. Yeah. My, my poor, my poor friend Telly got cucked by, he was <laughs> thought he had something going on. And then Haley Joel Osment swooped in with that six cents face of his. <laughs> and swooped on but i'm i'm pro the guy but here's the move and i'm not a dating app person so i don't know like the rules and how people do it but were i a guy that wanted to date you that saw you on on raya i would definitely do the instagram thing because it's like a back door it's a it's a way you can talk to somebody outside of the weird, Hey, I'm trying to date you place. But the move is you just follow somebody and then it's just, it's like Twitter and Instagram are dating apps, but in not in not explicitly. Right. So you, you follow somebody and you, you comment on their pictures. You don't comment on every picture. You don't like every picture. And then eventually you strike up a conversation. You go, Hey, this, you, you know, you respond to their story. Hey, I, you, you know, that, that was funny. That thing you said, I don't this, look how bad I am at it already, but there's a way, there's a way around where you go, where you don't go, Hey, I saw you on a dating app. Now, I don't know if that's sort of illegal or if that's starting things off on the wrong foot, but I'm not that guy. I'm not doing what those guys are doing. Were I them? That's how I would do it. I wouldn't, I would bypass the whole saw you on Raya thing and just go straight to the, to the normie social media apps and be like, Hey, I just followed you just because. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, okay. I see that approach. I will tell you, I do tend to assume most men who follow me are gay. <laughs> like, unless it's told to me otherwise, I am, I'm a, just assume you're a gay guy. I, fo- uh, I follow you and I followed you for many years. Did you assume I was gay? Maybe. What? You did one time comment on my Birkenstocks. <laughs> I think we have the same Birkenstocks and I po- posted a picture or a story of my Birkenstocks and you're like, I'm here for it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so maybe, yeah. It's, I mean, it I, I me. Yeah, there's probably so many men out there who are so confused by I called them girl. Like, yeah. they, <laughs> they're probably like, what the fuck? But, you know, it's so funny that you mention that, like, Twitter and Instagram are in some ways like dating apps it's because in every way. Well, I had, um, I just did a podcast not that long ago with these two girls and they were 21. And, um, I was telling them, God, I think it's like so weird when people say in their Twitter bio, like husband to, you know, at person or yeah. like when they list their spouses in their bio yeah, or, they, or they put the ring, they put just like the, like they're engaged and they put the ring yeah. emoji and then their, then their partners at. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, um, I guess like I've, They had no idea that there was a time, probably around 2009, where so many marriages and relationships were ruined by Twitter. Like, it used to just be like, you would sort of think someone was flirting with you just because they followed you. Yeah. Um, But now I've gone like totally the other way. And I'm, I'm also just like, 
I'm a little dumb and friendly, like in that way where I don't even think like, oh, this person thinks I'm hitting on them. And there is nothing more like soul crushing to me when you're just like having a conversation with someone and they go, by the way, like I have a girlfriend. I'm like, who fucking asked? Like, <laughs> so embarrassed yes it's so embarrassing for both of us that you just said that and um yeah it that's um that's but that's totally a thing they had no idea they were like what do you mean people used to date off of twitter and i was like yeah like there are still probably tons of like people who are pulling ass on the regular from twitter 100 percent. like there used to be and i don't know how it is for most people it might still be this way there used to be like two twitters there was public Twitter and then DM Twitter. And a lot of times DM Twitter was going off way more than public Twitter. There was more engagement in sneaky secret Twitter than there was on actual Twitter. And I'll be honest, I haven't had, I haven't DM'd somebody or been in a DM conversation in years that I can recall, but it seemed like back in the day, early, you know, early tens of Twitter, Like that's what people were doing. They were meeting, they were hooking up, they were flying across the country. They were getting catfished like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you know, I've been on Twitter since Oh six. So like the year it started, I was on it and, um, you know, the, just the app has grown so much. And I would say probably that like 2009 to 2000, 14 like joke culture on Twitter when everyone on Twitter had to be a fucking comedian. Rob Delaney Twitter. Yeah, it was probably, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, and I really like Rob, but it was like, I I have to say like, that was the worst. It was the most painful. I, when I first joined Twitter, it was like one of the first people I followed was a guy who lived near the, um, Butterfinger factory. And so he would always like speak about, um, smelling butterfingers on the way home. And I like thought it was just like, I thought that was like a perfect follow. That was a perfect follow for me. Yeah. Um, and then it became a little bit more newsy. Boring. Where, yeah. People were, you know, sharing their links and then it became joke Twitter. Yeah. And then now we've sort of wound up into this like place where, you know, there's black Twitter, there's writing, there's writer Twitter. There's like, you know, film Twitter. There's Woke all these Twitter. different like, Yes. All these different little communities that that exist because there is no common voice on Twitter. Um, And I don't know, like it's 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 been wild to watch that app develop over the years. It's it's dead, though, right? Like it's we're we're done with Twitter, right? There's there's got to be another thing coming down the road like Twitter's over. I don't I mean, here's the thing. Whenever people have like the new Facebook, the new Twitter, the new Instagram. I'm like, there's never going to be a new one of those because they are the blueprint and no one, there's no improving on that. Um, but there'll be a new thing. Like you were telling me you were on Twitch. uh, You did something on Twitch and I, and I'm like, I have a 15 year old son. Like I know, I think he does something on Twitch. I was on a podcast and they were like, Hey, you got to make a, um, you got to make a page on fuck. I can't even remember what it's called. And I'm like, isn't that like an alt right thing? And they're like, no, I <laughs> it's a well-known website, but it's like, I'm so out of the loop, but eventually something's going to come along. That's going to, that's going to replace Twitter. It's not going to be, it's not going to be microblogging or whatever Twitter is now, but yeah. everyone's going to, everyone's going to merge onto it. 
I yeah, I, I think that I think that's probably true. I will see that Twitter has like devolved it, like yeah. they keep adding all these features. Now you can do 280 characters. Yeah, They're rolling out voice tweets, which <laughs> it yeah. sounds like a nightmare to me. I'm really enjoying TikTok and I'm so bummed that the government is spying on me. The Chinese yeah. government is spying on me because that is I've been conflicted. I keep wanting to delete it. But then I'm like, you know what? If I'm doing anything that the Chinese government can blackmail me with, maybe I deserve it. And your own government or worse, corporations are spying on you with every other app on your phone anyway. So who gives a shit? Dude, yeah. how is it that like sometimes you think of something and then you get an ad for it? Like you don't even have to be searching for it or looking for it or looking for content adjacent to it. Sometimes I'll just have a thought. And then like five minutes later, there's an ad for it on my on my comp- on my app somewhere. Like it's yes. it's crazy. They've gotten so specific with the algorithm. I feel like my algorithms just like read me to fill every time I get onto any app. Yeah, 100 percent. It's I I had a conversation one time with someone about a, a mini moak, which is like this like little tiny car. It's like a not quite a dune buggy, but it's like these little tiny cars that aren't even available or weren't at the time available in the United States. I didn't Google the fucking mini moke. Right. I, I didn't have any, I didn't, I had no, I said, Oh, was it a Myers Manx, which is another kind of weird car. And the other person's like, no, it was a mini moke. And I'm like, Oh, a mini moke. Huh? The next fucking day I had an ad in my Instagram for a goddamn mini moke. Yeah, it wasn't available to even buy in the country I live in. They're watching your ass. Fuck. At the end of the day, they're watching your ass. Uh, Okay. Oh, hold on. I want to move on to one thing and then we can wrap it up. Um, I don't have anywhere to be. Okay. On Raya. Have you encountered? Well, uh, I don't even need to ask you this because I know you have uh, Matthew Perry you've seen on there, but also. No, I haven't. Well, that's the thing. He's out of your, he, he might be out of your age range. Is, do you do an no, age range? I don't have, I don't have any sort of restrictions on that, but like, I mean, mainly the issue with me and Raya is that I don't even think I have the app on my phone anymore. Oh. Like I just have a profile that's floating out there. So you're not active. Uh, no, what about, active. what about Piven? I never saw Piven on there. The, I don't think I ever really saw anyone, maybe like DJs. Like, I think like, I don't know, like, I feel like Zed or someone was on there. DJ AM, RIP? No. Oh my God. No. But by the way, do you remember when he died? Like, I have never seen, I, and to this day, I still have not seen maybe Kobe actually. Yeah. But it was Kobe-esque in the way that the city mourned DJ AM. And I was writing gossip at the time. So I had to cover it. And it was just, um, it was like, it was a thing. Like when DJ AM died, it was a citywide thing. Like the whole city was depressed. And it's, it's like kind of crazy when you think about that, like all of the, the morning that happened for, for one person. And I know he was fantastic and touched a lot of people, but I mean, really, I don't think I've seen outside of maybe Kobe, a death that LA mourned like that. Yeah. I remember there being like billboards or murals or something. RIP AM. I remember being real struck by two things that always bum me out. Number one, he was a sober guy. 
Yeah. And he had been a sober guy for a long time. And then he wasn't a sober. He got, he had PTSD from that plane crash with Travis Barker. Which yeah. I don't, I'm not, I don't know why I smile when I say that because it's just, it's, it's just so absurd that DJ AM and, uh, and Travis Barker almost burned to death on a runway at some point, but he survived. And then I think he got back on drugs, but the other thing, and I don't know if this is, I don't know what this says about me, but he was one of those guys that was really overweight. Yes. And, and he lost all the weight. Yeah. Lost all the weight. I think he might, I think he might've juiced it by getting the, um, the sleeve. Sure. But still it's like, dude, you did it. You were 350 pounds and now you're just a, you're like a skinny nerdy dude. That's that yeah. bang Nicole Richie. Like you had it, you got it going, dude. And then he was gone. You know, he died. That was, that was sad. I, yeah, I remember it being a big deal, but again, it was like not really on my radar because AM like wasn't, you know, if it were Steve Aoki, because he's from he's from Newport Beach like me, I would like I would feel that a little bit more probably. Yeah, it was um, it was definitely surprising. I knew he was like such a beloved figure, but um, I don't think I've ever seen the city collectively mourn like that. And it's crazy how many people I knew that had stories about him, like directly touching them. Like, um, you know, even just people who met him out at a club night just had like the craziest sort of like reverence for him. And, um, yeah, that's always, it's always stuck in my mind how sort of mind blowing it was. Um, and, and really kind of like a nice way to, yes. because LA is not a community so, for the most yes. part. Yes. And that made it, that really made it feel like a community so, in, in a similar way to like Kobe. So an, another one of those that I would say that might even be more than AM, but not quite as much as Kobe. And I think of it because of what you said, cause I, after AM died, uh, people were relaying to me personal anecdotes or just encounters they had with DJ AM that was, I'm like, Oh, he sounded like a nice guy. Here's the other one. Paul Walker. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, my best friend called me crying about Paul Walker and that really surprised me because I was, I wasn't familiar that he had feelings at all about Paul Walker. Yes, um, that's what I'm saying. Like I, you know, he's someone that I've, I've never seen those movies. And I know that that's like not it's either interesting or not. Right. Interesting. He's, he, he was he to me. And I'm sure he was amazing guy. He, yeah. he was this very good looking, just generic dude. Sure. And then he died and everyone was like, like lingering for weeks around yeah. the place that he died. Yeah. I was um I I I was surprised by um yeah, when your best friend that you've known for 13 years, probably like 15 or 16 now, calls you crying because Paul Walker died and you were unaware that he's even maybe ever even seen a Paul, Paul Walker film. Yes. Um 
Yeah, it's kind of sobering. It's pretty sobering to, re- to realize <laughs> that he had such an impact. Like, not it's it's awful. I hate Horrible, to laugh. Of course, it's not like, it's not funny that he died. It's funny that you didn't realize that this whole world existed around him. Totally. Like, not to be flippant, but it's just yeah, it's um yeah, I I was unfamiliar with his legacy. Um, Same. There we go. I mean, that's so funny. You're right. You're so right. Yeah. Paul Walker. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. And uh, and in retrospect, I'm like, hey, like, should I have been more connected to whatever Paul Walker had going on? Like, d- did I miss it while it was here? Right. I, you know, uh, so, sometimes those I, things happen. There's totally like death FOMO, like, yeah. grie- like grieving FOMO when everyone around you is like very upset about a death and it just is sort of nothing to you. Like you're like, well, how do I get in on that? Like, how do I, why am I the only one who's not upset right now? Um, for sure. I, you know who I feel like there was probably a lot of that about is Mac Miller. Oh my God. That So yes, he, so he's someone that I was like tangentially aware of and like, everyone's like, Oh, Mac Miller, he's good and stuff. And then he died. And then I read all the stuff about him where I'm like, Oh my God, this guy sounds amazing. And then they dropped that album after yeah. he died. And mm-hmm. it's, I'm malls. I'm like getting emotional right now. I'm tearing up because his music was so beautiful. And this guy was 26 years old. He had a fucking lifetime left of this amazing art inside of him and i when it came out that they're like hey they're, they're gonna prosecute these f- people that like f- sold him the fake fucking vicodin that he snorted that killed him and then you saw the pictures of the people and the pictures these people were just these fucking disgusting like hollywood neck tatted just like like tank tops like the exact spiky hair the exact people you would picture sending hookers and vicodin to this to this beautiful artist's home were the people that i mean obviously everyone makes choices and it's you know we're all responsible for ourselves in in the end but the fact that he that he was this amazing talent this generational talent really that w- that was taken so soon by and he was associated with these disgusting people it's that fucked me up yeah he was um very very special and i i hate to say that i didn't even really get into him until i think when swimming came out Same. i really i enjoyed that um and then obviously circles is just a, an amazing Incredible piece of work um it's incredible that you know when anything comes out posthumously you're like terrified of what it's going to be and it was just such it was probably his best work and that is very rare um and i think that he would probably be very happy that that's sort of the last note that he left out there but um yeah, dude. What is okay? So, do you remember when Demi Lovato overdosed? Sure. Yeah, she was hanging out with fucking scumbags too. Yeah. So I've never seen anything like this before. But like TMZ was kind of regularly meeting up and interviewing her drug dealer. Shut up! I didn't know that. 
And this guy is like, you know, outside of like a, a fucking Denny's, like talking to TMZ about, you know, yeah, like, you know, she knew the risks and blah, 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 blah. Um, and sort of implying that he was sleeping with her and this and that. And yeah. I'm like, we do paparazzi on drug dealers now? Yeah, like, that's crazy. <laughs> this is, like, this is the worst drug dealer I have ever seen in my life. Like, no wonder that is exactly the type of guy who's walking around with some like, like crappy pressed pills. Um, but it's just, it was like unbelievable to me that someone was willing to put their face on 30 milezone.com right. as I call it and say, yeah, um, I sold her the bad drugs. That was me. Like, are you kidding me? What, what are you, where are we at in our society? Because wait, cause everybody wants to be an influencer and that's, <laughs> that was his ticket. That was his, that was his come up. That was his glow up for his gram. Now he's selling flat tummy tea, you know? Yes, exactly. So that reminds me, an, an, another one. Have you watched the Little Peep documentary on Netflix? You know, it's so funny you say that because I have not seen the documentary, but I was oddly upset when Little Peep died. Yeah. Yeah. Oddly upset. And I thought that he just seemed like such a sweet boy. Um, and I wanted to like protect him. And I was like, this is, it was, um, I just felt terrible about that. Um, the little peep thing. And after he died, I started listening to see, he made it into my Spotify year end roundup that year. I'll never forget. (laughs) She's a smallie. Like, yeah, yeah. You're well into your thirties. Like this says a lot about you, that little peeps on your year end roundup. But I, yeah, I haven't seen the documentary. Is it good? It's really good, but it's, it's, you know, trigger warning. Like it's heavy. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's super heavy. And the end, the end is again, much like Mac Miller. Here's this guy with just an immense talent and, and, and immeasurable potential like limitless and he's just being drugged down by these just parasites, these hangers on the type of people that won't notice that you're dead when you're sitting on the fucking couch right next to them. Yeah. Didn't someone like take a video of him? Yeah. It's Um, it's in the documentary. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fucked. It's Um, so fucked. You know who I feel like we've watched rapidly decline since he popped off was Lil Xan. I mean, we don't even hear from him anymore, but at one point that kid was throwing like 20 grand a month into an apartment rental. And now I think he's living in a small, um, a small little house in Redlands that he, he bought or is renting. Shut up. Really? Yeah. Well, he's from Redlands, California. Yeah. That's <laughs> actually how I got some free Chili's gift cards was I, um, after I went apple picking one day yes. we stopped in Redlands and went to Chili's and, um, my friend took a picture of the Chili's. And then when Lil Zan's girlfriend came out saying she was pregnant, which I guess turned out to be a hoax, um, I tweeted like congratulations to Lil Xan, like in honor of this news, I'm going to post this picture of the chilies in his hometown of Redlands, California. <laughs> and then I said like, may your blossom be awesome or something. And then chilies like tweeted back at me and I think they retweeted it. Fuck. And I, and I said to them like, Hey chilies, can I get 
can I get a $10 gift card? I think is what I asked. And they wound up sending me like a $50 gift card to my email. And I was like, holy shit. Like Lil Zan just hooked me up with a $50 Chili's gift card that I yet to use because there's no Chili's nearby here, which is just a fucking shame because it's a banger of a restaurant. It's really like underrated in terms of the, you know, because it gets lumped in with the Applebee's, the Olive Gardens of the world. And, uh, you know, Chili's is it's they'll do a good burger, you know, you can't and you can't fuck with their chicken sandwich. And the nachos, dude, yep. each, each nacho has its own story. Fucking A, yeah. It's good. It's got all the toppings on there. Now, Zan doesn't have the... D- does he have the chops? Like Because we've determined yeah. Mac Miller's a genius. And little, Pe- <laughs> little Peep also, while like a little young for me, what he was doing on stage and on record was real. And you look around, just open your Spotify and play a song and tell me, are you listening to something that's real? Because nothing is real anymore. And meanwhile, these SoundCloud guys were coming up. They were making beats in their shitty bedrooms, talking about how their dad wasn't around. (laughs) And it's fucking beautiful and amazing and incredible. And then, you know, they take too many pills and die and you got to wait for the next one to show up and you miss him. And then he's dead too. Yeah. I, um, I would definitely exclude Zan from the narrative of like incredible musicians that have (laughs) come out of that world. But, um, I think that he is like a very good example of someone who couldn't have a good person around him to save his life. I think everyone, you know, to see someone like sort of take off and have a moment the way that he did, um, where he was just so in the zeitgeist for a moment, um, all that money comes in. His team was like running him ragged. He was performing every night in a different city. And, um, you know, that money I think is gone already. Yeah. yeah. I, that That's wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Because, you know, he's got fucking tattoos all over his face. Yeah. You know, he's done and said things that you can't really come back from professionally. Um, there's not really an, a lot of other, you know, ways to go from there. So I just, you know, I see that and I'm like, God, that is such a, a waste of a young life. Yeah. You know, he's going to have to go get those tattoos zapped or he's just going to keep sort of, um, piling it on, but it's, yeah, it's, it's so sad. I mean, fame is such a, a nasty thing. I really wouldn't recommend it to anyone. And, um, even just being around adjacent to fame, I'm, it makes me very uncomfortable. Interesting. Um, and well, because I'm like a fan too. That's sure. the other thing. I'm, I never, I never want Hollywood to lose its magic for me because I came here because I find it to be magical. Um, and sometimes getting when, when you're, you know, sitting around with like one of the biggest pop stars in the world, all of a sudden it, the, it just loses its, it starts to lose its magic. You see it for what it is. Right. And that's always a bummer. Um, but yeah, like, you know, he got a lot of notoriety very quickly, sort of became a meme and, um, you know, and again, he's, I think he's maybe 20 now, 21. Yeah. That's a Uh, child. And his life is, you know, it's certainly not over. I never want to count someone out, but he's just, um, you know, I mean the face tattoos alone, like, come on, like you're, 
Well, so speaking of that, wh- where are we at on Presley Gerber? What's like, oh, what's going on? Are we, I, I, I feel like he's, he's mimicking a spiral. I, that's not the right word, but he's. I understand he, what you mean. He wants to be that, but he's got all the fucking privilege in the world. He's as beautiful as you can be. Doesn't strike me as someone. And again, this is, this is my take from just looking at pictures of the person. So I know less than nothing. doesn't strike me as someone that's especially tormented. And yet he's got, I can't, he's got a word under his fucking eyeball. Misunderstood. Misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, you'll, you'll love to see it from like the son of a billionaire, yes. you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, oh, he's, I'm he's so start. gorgeous. He's a fucking model. His mom's a model, supermodel, you know, his dad's, his dad's beautiful. Like he grew up in Malibu. Like what's, what's up, dude? Like I get, I get why these SoundCloud kids tattoo their faces. I don't get why Presley Gerber does it. And also doesn't he have somebody around that says, Hey dude, you're, you're a poser. Like you're, Um, you're, you're, you're attempting to be something that those guys actually are and you're not. Well, we've seen how far Chet Hanks took it. He's but he has he's kind of come out the other side, right? Like people kind of like him. He's funny. I agree. I agree. I um actually I am unoffended by him. Have you have you encountered him on Raya? Yes or no? No. Oh. I again, I have to tell you. 99% of the swiping that has happened on my Raya is from me being buzzed and my friends, my married friends being like, give me your phone. Let me see Raya. Give me your phone. Okay. And that's... then I stand it over. I, I literally, I have not opened that app in probably four years. Well, like you... I think even when I, I was actively, actively on it, meaning it was downloaded on my phone. Um, I, I never opened. I'm terrible with that. Like, you know, Chet Hayes is on there. Like, you know, if you wanted to see what Chet Hayes was up to right now, you could go on Raya and he'd be there with his looking jacked with all those black and white tattoos all over him. Well, you know, I think he actually has one of those um, sort of personalities where if I really wanted to see what's going on with him, I could probably just go knock on his door and he would answer. Really like he point. seems very accessible. I think he's on the West side though. So that's, you kind of have to make a day of it. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. But no, um, I feel like he's one of those people that's like oddly accessible, funny, um, story. Please. I have a copy of how to win friends and influence people that was gifted to Chet Hanks by, Rita Wilson. And it's, um, there's like a little thing inside of it that says like, you're so special, Chetta love Rita or love mom or something. And I got it because a friend of mine moved into his old apartment when he like, I don't know, I guess he moved apartments and she, and she moved in and he left like a couple books and that was one of them. And she gave it to me when she came on my podcast. And so what? I know. I can't believe I have it. I can. You know that she gave that to him when she was hoping he'd turn a oh, corner. Oh my god! 
That's amazing. Right? It's still, I would, I would say this. Well, it's beautiful that they raised a kid that didn't, didn't know that he should maybe hang on to that heirloom that he got from his mom, but also nothing Chet Hanks has ever done has, will disturb me as much as Rita Wilson rapping OPP on her Instagram during her oh, COVID yeah. quarantine. That's that, unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, that was yeah, tough. That's unfortunate. You know, I, I have to say, I just felt like very called to it. If, if we ever meet in real life, I'm going to give you that book. I feel like that is, it's something that it only gets better by how, like how many degrees away it is from its original finding. So I, I'm yes. going to give you pass it on. If you ever feel called to it, you give it to someone else. I feel like this. <laughs> yes. It's like a pay it forward situation. Absolutely. It's like the people it's, at Starbucks paying for the person behind them in line, but way better. Cause Chet Hanks is involved. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I've thought about eBaying it cause I'm a terrible person, yes. but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like that's, some, I'm going to pass that on to you. So it, it, if we ever, if we ever meet in real life, I will totally give you that. It's I'm, I'm wanted and I will take you up on that. Okay. We're, I'm going to do one more thing and I know you've covered this on your show. So if you don't want to get too into it, we don't have to, but I know you did, I think a series of episodes about this and I am also a fan of course i'm talking about the showtime oh two <laughs> two season series polyamory married and dating it's the fucking greatest show of all time and when we were talking at the very beginning about sort of like random places in California that maybe aren't so random. Yep. I was going to say to you that I am fixated on Riverside, California because yeah. of the triad from season one it lived in Riverside. Yes. And, um, for some reason, my mind always comes back to Riverside whenever people say like, Oh, like what's your ideal relationship? I'm like, I would date someone in Riverside. Like I would like to see someone twice a week no. and then that's it. Like, and then no, they babe. go back to Riverside and I live the rest of my life. Like that is my ideal man is from Riverside. No, he isn't. California. No, he isn't. <laughs> no, he is not. He definitely no. isn't. Well, this is why I had to take myself off the market. Yeah. But like, you know, that's always, that's always like just that perfect distance. You know, I don't have to see you that often. Do you then, know how much fucking traffic there is to Riverside? And then also you, fi you finally get there. It takes you from where you live. It's two hours on yeah. with real traffic. And then you get there and you're like, oh, wait, I'm in fucking Riverside. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I know. I, I mean, in all in all actuality, I've never actually explored the town. I just think that that's like the appropriate amount of distance for me. And for some reason, whenever I drive out to Palm Springs, when I pass Riverside, yes. I feel very um, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm with the triad. I feel good. I'm at peace. Um, but yeah, dude, that show is unreal. OK, well, let's start with let's start with the Riverside triad. So there's the Anthony who looks he's like um, he's like beta Polly Shore. Sure. And then there's the blonde who looks like Tanya from the challenge. Vanessa. What's her name? Vanessa. Vanessa. And she's got bangs and she's super horny for the other 
girl. Lindsay. Lindsay, who's, I would say, is very beautiful. Like, on the show, she's she's the most attractive. Although she's got a bad tooth, which I feel like she could have gotten that dealt with in the first place. But they have, they have a weird setup, right? Because Tanya, Vanessa, is obsessed with Lindsay. And... Anthony seems like he could really give a fuck about either of them. Like he's just kind of along for the ride. He likes that he teaches Italian. He's a, he's an adjunct professor (laughs) at UCR and they live in the, this is the, this is my biggest problem with polyamory life and live married and dating. I always want to say polyamory life on the street, like homicide life (laughs) on the street. Uh, They, are they their residences are such a bummer like yeah dude like how do you live like just clean it up a little bit is your house is so sad make the fucking bed just make the bed that's it there's tv cameras coming in today how about we make the bed (laughs) right you know okay so i have scrutinized this show beyond belief like i talked about it for two hours a day for probably a month. Um, now I actually think Vanessa is like the MVP because think about it. She's a worker. She grew up with her sister dating Anthony. Okay. Oh, I didn't know and that. She was did like, you do, wait, was that, was that you did a deep dive here? Yeah. But she, I mean, it's mentioned on the show, but it's like quick. Oh, okay. Uh, I knew they were all so- friends. Like she was the maid of honor at their wedding. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, Anthony starts to court Lindsay when she's very young. Now, they've been together since they were 18. So I don't know. (laughs) There's something there. Yes. Uh, But so Vanessa is like um, sees Lindsay and she is instantly drawn to her. Right. So if you think about it, Vanessa is sleeping with her with her childhood friend's wife. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. MVP for that. Yeah, that's pretty baller. She's absolutely like, you know, now I have to say, I think it's so interesting that you think Lindsay's the hottest person on the show because I've always thought Vanessa is like a superior beauty in some ways. I mean, it's I don't discount that in any way. They're one and one a if you if you if you put Vanessa ahead of Lindsay, I wouldn't have a big argument with you about it. So, um, you know, The Lindsay, though, is like she is someone that, especially on this last rewatching, is such a mystery to me because she's so confident. And you can tell that when you meet someone like her, you're either going to love her or hate her right away. And there's no in between. Like you just like she either totally puts you off. Anthony even says that you're either immediately put off by Lindsay or you're obsessed with her. And that is like, it just, it shines through in the show so much, especially when you see like um, the episode where she went to the jazz bar to try and rekindle something with this guy that she, you know, used to make music and hook up with. And she's sort of like being like, Oh, is your girlfriend still in China? Because I guess he started dating a girl who lives in China. And he's like, Actually, yes, she is. And she's coming out here soon. He was trying to draw a boundary with her so clearly. And she was not she was not having it. But, like, but meanwhile, meanwhile, she's got the boyfriend from Berkeley. Yeah. That she brings oh down and she's like, look, guys, I just want to let you know. And again, this is the, the polyamorous thing. 
it's funny because they're like, we don't want to be restricted by society's rules. You, you monogamous people, you got too many rules. There's more rules in polyamory than fucking chess. It's Dude. so confusing, but she brings this guy down. And she's like, I really, I think I love him. By the way, they love everybody. There's, you can't just be dating and hooking up with somebody. You have to be in love with them for some reason. And she's like, I love this guy. He's from Berkeley. He's coming down. We're going to meet at some sad coffee shop in downtown Riverside where Molly's probably going to be hanging out soon. And then <laughs> they go in and then, and then uh, Vanessa and Anthony show up and they're like, Hey, you didn't, were you going to introduce us? They, they crash her. They almost, it's almost like, um, it's almost like a little emotionally violent what they do where they're like, just show up to her date and they pull her aside and they're like, Hey, we know you love this guy, but you can't date him. And she's like, okay. Uh, Hey, Charles, by the way, never mind. I got a, um, these two say I can't go out with you. And so she was in love with him two minutes earlier. And then all of a sudden she's just so willing to send him off because she didn't clear it with the triad beforehand. She broke one of the million myriad polyamory rules. There's actually, I think only three rules, which okay. is oh, really? there are, there's no secrets. Mm. Everyone has to be safe. And the triad is a family unit before any other lovers. So, <laughs> I just, I, you have the shit down. I love it. I've spent too much time. Like you don't understand how much time I have spent with this show. I have like outlines. I could pull up right now and beat by beat. Tell you what happens in each episode. It's disgusting. Um, yes, but go on. I actually found Lindsay to be very emotionally manipulative in that situation. Oh, interesting. Because Lindsay just wanted to do what she wanted to do. When in reality, really, the triad would have been fine with it if she hadn't right. gotten so serious with Kristoff behind their back. Kristoff, yes. Kristoff, yeah. And um, I, uh, what, like, what a surprise when Kristoff finally came on camera and you saw what he looked like. <laughs> like, I was shocked that this was the love of Lindsay's life when she was at Berkeley. Um, yes, it was. The, it was the score of Kristoff's life. That's for sure. That's he was like counting his fucking chickens he was so stoked yeah. no no wonder why he suddenly had business in riverside for sure when she, when she had to move back home um but yeah you know i mean they their partner went to school up north i yeah. mean as you and i both know i don't think i think anthony and vanessa probably had a lot of transactional sex when when they were alone but for the most part i think they probably saw their other lovers. Um, oh, for sure. And Vanessa's not into Anthony at all. She's in, she's, she tolerates Anthony or she's buddies with Anthony. She's mm -hmm. buddies with Anthony because she is in love, nay, obsessed with Lindsay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, I have to say like when you watch this show, you know, I think a lot of people are really, um, turned off just by the concept of polyamory. It seems really like gross and just, you know, too free for some people. Um, but when you realize the amount of work that goes yeah. into being polyamorous, yeah. you're like, do you know what, dude, you do whatever you want. If you're willing to put in all that work, then I'm all for your lifestyle because you are working overtime to keep everything, all the plates up in the air. Now there yes. is like the, the the people in San Diego. Let's talk pod. about them. Let's talk about okay. them. The, the quadruple. Ooh. 
Now, is there anyone, is there like a more horny pixie of a man than Tall? He's disgusting. He, he is, is disgusting. He's so <laughs> gross and so like unaffect, effeminate, like so not masculine, which, and again, no judgment, live your life, be whoever you want to be. I, I respect whatever your calling is. But when he comes out as bi on season two, spoiler alert, like no, no one was super surprised by that. Right. He just, he just wants to fuck it all because he's just it like is, this gross little elf. It is like, it, it wasn't the surprise he wanted it to be. It wasn't the reveal, the season one, season two it's reveal the, that he thought it would the be. The tramp stamp gave it away. But um, <laughs> the you're so right. Like my sort of analysis of him when we were talking about him on the pod is like he's just looking for a hole, dude. Like oh, this yeah. guy does not care about anything. Yep. He doesn't. Poor Jen. Poor okay? Jen. Jen. She was a I, victim. She's probably in therapy. She has PTSD for sure. She well, she's married to Jesse now, which I think is great. I think oh, Jesse was the one she was dating that kind of wasn't in that took her on his motorcycle that did, yeah. wasn't into the polyamory thing. Yeah, Jesse was like willing to like he fell in love with a poly woman. And so he was like, he well, the person I love is Polly, So I guess I'll fuck with it. And like the last, you know, the season two ending is like him going to like a sex party with Jen. Oh, and like he, make, he makes out with another girl. And like that's he makes out with Roxanne, who, by the way, is my favorite. I fucking love Roxanne. The um Kamala's girlfriend who's a stripper um I follow her on Instagram and I'm just whenever Roxanne pops up like by the end of the show I was said to my friend Nicole I was like I think I'm a little bit in love with Roxanne like I totally get it I totally get why they were all trying to like burn down the world to be with Roxanne like I I feel that way towards her and I'm a straight woman I'm like I'm like I I'll yeah Roxanne I'll do anything for you um (laughs) but then Season two, like, so season one, Kamala Devi is like the most manipulative, disgusting person ever. You're like just appalled that she even exists. She's gross. But then season two, it is revealed that the hornier of the two is definitely her husband, Michael. There, yes, there. So, so there is sort of, I think, between the two of them, sort of a battle for dominance. They're both disgusting they're both grossly horny but again (laughs) they have a lot of rules and so like kamala's like um look i'm with roxanne she's mine and michael's like hey can i get a piece of that like when can i play with roxanne he's disgusting and she's like oh no 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 roxanne only belongs to me but then michael brings some broad home and uh Sapora. Sapora and Kamala bullies her where Rachel. she's like, Rachel. Oh, Rachel, yeah, she's Kamala bullies her where she's like, oh, no, you don't understand. Like, if you play with Michael, you play with me, too. Uh, what? Double standard. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. And then, like, you know, Michael keeps saying, like, I want to go deeper with you, Rachel. Yeah. And like Rachel's all programmed like any other fucking chick and just is like. Oh, like you mean we're getting married? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you no, know, no, like, no, 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 oh, no. like, and he's like, no, I mean, we're, we have to have group sex with my wife. And Rachel's so disappointed. Yeah. And 
It's I creepy. actually really felt for her. So the update on Rachel is that she, Michael, and Kamala were in a relationship for like five years. A thruple? And then they had a really... What? A thruple? They were in, they were in a thruple, yeah, because yeah. I think Tall, Tall was with Sephora for years, and, um, Je- and Jen... And tall, amicably divorced, she married Jesse in a steampunk wedding. If you haven't seen the photos, it's unbelievable. Whoa. The freak show is nonstop. That. The freak show is just nonstop. And Rachel and um, so Rachel and Kamala and Michael, they were all together. And after five years, they broke up. And Rachel wound up marrying like a shaman in Africa yeah. or something like she, she went on her journey. Um, Michael and Kamala almost didn't make it. She said the breakup was so painful, but they managed to salvage their marriage. Their poor son is still all over their sex blog. Devin. And like, yeah. And she will update on Devin. Like, so you're a father, right? So yeah. you, you know how unbelievably disgusting it is that they had their child on this show. Yes, it was super, but he was like around and then he wasn't around, but it's like, people are going to know, like it's on showtime.com. It's on the app. You're going to, people are going to see this and they're going to recognize Devin's parents for sure. Yeah. And I tried to track it because at first I thought, okay, well the episodes that they showed Devin in, um, he, they don't show them having sex. Right. Cause, and then, and then that rule was broken somewhere down the line. And I was like, okay, no, that's not the formula because I thought if there's a kid in it, surely they're not going to also have softcore porn of his parents, like intercut. Yes. Yeah. But they did. Uh, but they did. One thing that really bothered me. And I don't know if, if this is just nitpicky or not, and, or like me not being a parent. So not having the right to sort of say this, but in one of the opening scenes, Devin is eating scrambled eggs with a spoon. And I mean, I don't know how you feel, but like there, I never had a baby fork or a ba- like as soon as my hands could grip something, yeah. I had a fork and knife in my hands. Right. So seeing this like six year old boy, like scoop eggs into his mouth with a spoon. I'm like, are you ever going to teach him how to be normal in any capacity? Like, is this boy just like going to, he goes to some like school now where it's like very like, um, I think Montessori is generous to, to <laughs> something like that, but it's like very like feeling based and intuitive. And <laughs> You know, I realize not everyone is meant to be a surgeon, but like this is like I'm I'm a little worried about Devin's future. I'm not going to lie. Well, he's got to be like 13 by now. Yeah, he is. He is. And, you know, just like it must be maybe if you grow up in it, it's not that confusing. But just like, you know, the way that life is depicted and. TV and books and movies, you know, you see the two parents in a monogamous relationship. I mean, is he not just so confused when yes. these new adults pop by and stop, start making out with their parents in the living room? And they, where they stack up all the pads that the real sad parts are their, their red leather couch. That's like all worn out on the, on the arms and stuff. And it was like really bad to begin with. And now it looks extra bad. And then you see where they have like the little seats for when they have their like polyamorous, like seances where everybody comes over, they have the little seats because it's a small house 
all stacked up against the wall in the living room. And it's just a real bummer that this kid has to come out and have his and spoon his scrambled eggs every morning, looking <laughs> looking at the detritus of his parents' polyamorous, polyamorous lifestyle. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, he's he's got some a fet half gay guy living in the garage with this with this poor kept woman that she finds in bed with his mom and dad on Sunday morning when he's not supposed to be. The whole thing is just so depressing. The, we need to get to, and then we'll wrap this up the other couple from season two. So after from between season one and season two, we lost the good thruple season one. Yeah. We had Anthony and Lindsay and Vanessa and we didn't get to catch up. Divorce now, by the way, but uh, Vanessa awesome. and Lindsay are still close. Oh, I could see that. Oh, really? Yeah, Anthony lives in Italy now. I think he got arrested and left the country. I could see. And again, this is not something you can see, but I could say that I could see Anthony (laughs) going the way of tall. Bisexuality. He didn't just he didn't seem like the most uh, robustly masculine dude. And he didn't seem he seemed to just be comfortable having these two beautiful women living with him, but he didn't, I I never got the sense that he was really so into either of them. I'm going to argue that Anthony was all man. Okay. I I really think that Anthony loves his bitches. I think that he is fully straight and yeah, I don't know what it is, but like on this last rewatch, I was like, I see it for Anthony. Like I see why people are attracted to him. I'm going to watch it again. It's a rare feeling on this show. Like most of the time you're like, They're who gross. would ever fuck any of these people? Yeah. K- Kamala Devi and Michael and tall, oh. especially now the other thruple from season two, um, the, the, the cage fighter. Yep. Chris, Chris from West Hollywood and his really cute wife, the pole dancing yeah. instructor and be spun in West Hollywood. Right. Also, she was a child actress and played Zachary Ty Bryant's girlfriend on Home Improvement. <sighs> yep. Life catches up with you, huh? Wow. Then they bring a third into the relationship, which is kind of like a Hawaiian-ish looking Polynesian, half Asian. What was her name? Megan. Megan. 24. And they were in their 30s. Yeah. Um, and she was 20 when they met and still had braces. Um, and Leanne and Chris, I think were always, um, as we refer to them within my circle of friends, um, watchers. Okay. Mm, like uh-huh. we always, my friend Todd and I started saying like, he, I, he called someone, he just said something once he's like, Oh, those people are watchers. And I was like, what do you mean watchers? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, they're people that like to watch other people having sex. Like they, right. they stand in the closet and they look through the little, they look through the little blinds or whatever. Right. Um, And so I think that they were always into sort of, um, you know, one of them having sex with another person and then being in the room. Yes. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh And you can tell that they probably, you know, go to Vegas, drink too much, do a few rails and then get sloppy. Right. Yep. Yep. But then like, you know, Chris approaches her for the first time with a girlfriend, Megan, and she's 20 years old, has braces. At the time, they had just been married. Now, they were a couple that like as they've been together for like seven years, but only recently married and were married for three years. And then a one year into their marriage, Chris wants to bring Megan in. 
and they, and they make Leanne like their fucking house slave. She was like Cinderella. They're like, hey, we'll be out here cavorting in the pool. Why don't you get that prime rib going? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I I felt for Leanne so bad. And then she's another one whose like boyfriend reveal was shocking because she had a secret boyfriend named Chris, Chicago oh, Chris. Right. And then Chicago Chris hits the screen and he Unbelievable. is. I don't even know how he seems like an adult boy scout. Like he is so sweet and like just has this temperament of an angel. And like, he is the last person you could see getting involved with like a professional pole dancer married to an MMA fighter in a polyamorous marriage with a 24 year old girlfriend, which by the way, was super upsetting on this last rewatch, because it really hit me how young Megan was and how sort of out of her league she was. Because uh, well, she, my takeaway that w- was she was asserting herself like she came in and she's like, no, oh, no, I'm going to make this house mine. Was that was that yeah. did I get the wrong takeaway from that? No, I mean, well, because she's young and stupid. Yeah. That's why she she thought that yeah. like she. But then as soon as, you know, Leanne was willing to dump Chicago Chris MMA Chris was like, uh, you know, he was he was kind of like, all right, peace out, Megan. Like he felt like he won his woman back. And like if Megan had to go, she was going to go. Now, here's some update tea on them. Leanne and Chris divorced. No no shock. Megan and Chris still together. Wow. Really? What in just a regular couple? Not a not a triad. Uh, no, like you see them out with his equally old ass guy friends and they're tw- like, you know, 20 something year old girlfriends. Like they are those guys that you just like you just see, like Jeez. especially in New York and L.A., like this 45 year old guy that looks like he has a long history of doing steroids and coke. Yes. Um, and then like they're very pretty, lean like full of life girlfriend. Much younger is when he's out. Is he wearing any of the his fedora collection that were hung prominently near the front door? I I do believe I did see a, a fedora or yeah. two, but yeah. um, interesting. So he had a storage unit that got robbed, oh, I think, and they God. stole oh. all of his MMA belts. Oh, that sucks championship belts and so the only thing we were really able to find on him when we were going down our chris rabbit hole was that he um he he did this like really lame news report where basically he just sounded like i don't know like he sat he sounded like it was kind like he it sounded like it was his fault and he didn't know it yeah and so he's just like you know crying like you know Oh, I, I was wronged. The storage unit they stole from me. Um, but it absolutely kind of seemed like his fault and that he was approaching it from a very lame sort of like complete lack of ownership of the situation. I think he maybe forgot to pay. Like this is this something. is this is like Paris Hilton's uh, her Valtrex prescription. Exactly. It's exactly that. Like, yeah. I think that the storage unit might have even closed permanently. Yeah. And he never came and picked up his stuff. And then he goes to the news being like, they stole my MMA belts. Um, but yeah, it was that's like the update on him. I mean, he lives like what looks like a very sad life that he's very happy with. I, I feel like we are because this show was made in like 2013. I feel like it could go either way. We're either perfectly primed 
to reboot polyamory because it seems much more like, I mean, I'm obviously not immersed in this world, but it seems much more commonplace. It seems like you would be able to find people with better residences than the, than the Riverside and San Diego's of season one. But also we now live in a world where everyone of that, of the generation that would appear on these shows is very aware of their onlineness so that it wouldn't you wouldn't really get real people. It's like you watch The Bachelor now and all the girls you're aware are there just trying to become influencers. The whole the point of The Bachelor yeah. isn't to win The Bachelor, it's to linger uh, long enough on The Bachelor that you can leave with a million Instagram followers. And so for that reason, while I think we have the right people to we have we can call from the world of polyamory to make a new season of polyamory that would be amazing the casting would be difficult because you know a lot of people would be trying to slide in there to promote themselves rather than doing the lord's work and showing the world the 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 life of the polyamorous people well that is i think what happened with the triad in season three mm. uh, I think that they were on there so that Leanne could promote her pole dancing business, that Megan could promote her, you know, dress line. That was like, it's, I have nothing nice to say about part of her storyline. And then Chris could promote his gym because in essence, these people were not Polly. Like one thing that drove me. They were dabbling. They were dabbling. And then the other thing was that, they the thing that was so frustrating about recapping it was that every single conversation they had was the we need to have a conversation conversation. Yes. But like they never had they never the had the talk. <laughs> like the weeds were so overgrown by the time that they went to have that conversation that it just it completely exploded. And the whole essence of polyamory is doing the work. It's the yeah. process. Thing. It's the, you know, complete transparent honesty. That's it's why I can never do it. I couldn't have these conversations ever. I just wouldn't be worth it. There's not an, there's not enough in the world that could make me sit down and have these talks with people. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, that's why I, again, like I come back to the place of like, listen, dude, if you're willing to it's do the much. work, then you've deserved your, like you deserve it. Yes. You can do whatever you want if you're willing to put that much into Something like that. Totally, hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, I'm a, I'm gonna wrap it up. I really want to talk about John Bonet. I feel like may- yeah. I feel like maybe we save that. I feel like we find another time to reconvene. I don't feel like the world's gonna go back to being normal anytime soon. So I say I say we table that because I know you have thoughts. I have thoughts. I'd like to get into John but Jean Bonet, and I know I'd like to get into Jean Bonet's. Yes, I'd like to get into Jean Bonet's dad hooking up yeah. with Natalie. What's the, what's the girl Natalie in Aruba? Holloway's mom. Yes. Natalie Holloway's mom. Like what? That's all you need to know about that guy is you learned it all. That's all, all you got to know is that it's fucking nuts. It's nuts. It's fucking nuts, dude. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, I, I will come back first. I don't like, I podcast every single day. I don't leave my house. Yeah. I'm so completely Corona free. It's ridiculous. Amazing. So 
I um, will come back and podcast with you anytime because um, you're super fun to talk to. Oh, I appreciate but, that. Uh, yeah, I would love to. I just did um, on my Lifetime podcast. I just recapped the creepy Lifetime movie that the ghost of Jean Benet um, narrates. What? So, yeah, it's really it's, disturbing. Stay. I'm listen uh, to that on my hike tomorrow. But mother, yeah, mother, I mean, may I sleep with podcast is the show, by the way, guys. What, what yeah, else? Where, where, where can people find you, Malls? Um, you can find me. I have a podcast network called Solid Listen. Um, we have a bunch of shows. We're rolling out some more shows, which I'm really excited about. We just acquired a show. So, um, you know, it's it's largely at this point, our podcast is made. Our network is made up of pop culture related shows. But we um, are adding some really fun stuff that I can't talk about quite yet. Um, but yeah, it's, um, we have a show called Dunzo, which is about celebrity relationships. You may have forgotten about, um, a show about teen mom hosted by this great chick named Liz Bentley, who is like six years sober. And she has a lot of insight from working and not just the recovery community, but, um, doing with in her recovery community work, doing a lot of, um, custody cases. So she, is um, just the perfect person for that show because it is riddled with addiction and custody issues. Totally. Um, and then we have, uh, you know, we just uh, we're acquiring a show called the Downtown Writers Jam, which is a biweekly podcast um, with this guy named Brad King who interviews um, authors. Like he just did a great episode with Janelle Brown. Um, and you know, every day I, I record a quarantine podcast on there with Nicole, who's my right hand man on the network. And she, um, she's out in Indiana and we talk every single day where we, um, of course we did poly married and dating. Um, but we've recapped a bunch of different shows since quarantine has started. We've done over almost 70 episodes. So, um, that, that was unexpected. I don't think we thought we'd be in the house for so long, but other than that, um, you know, I'm just malls, M O L L S on social media and, you know, don't be fucking weird and Google me and shit, but you can find, you can find me. Don't, sl- and, don't um, slide into, don't, don't find her on Raya. Yeah. And then, and then flex it to IG and act like you, you were the first person to figure that out. Just go straight to the IG. And then, um, yeah, what, um, mother may I sleep a podcast. It's a long form. It's like three hours. Each episode is very long. And, um, we talk about, Lifetime movies and dissect them. I have really fun guests on that show. You should totally come on if you have time for that. Um, But yeah, uh, this was great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Are you going to bring Emotionally Broken Psychos back? Because that's another one I would like to do. That one is completely behind a paywall on Patreon. Uh I'm not, I do, um, if I'm going to talk about reality TV, it's probably going to go behind a paywall moving forward. Just because I don't, think it sits on a shelf well you know yeah, it's like, not evergreen it's not evergreen and it's also it can be sticky you know yeah. in this in this world we're living in some of the stuff i you know some of the stuff we talk about i probably would not talk about now like just like mental health of people i sure. don't know sure. but back then i mean <laughs> yeah yes. i was speculating for days about <laughs> who had a personality disorder on bravo <laughs> well but, all of them yeah, that's I mean, that's the magic of it. Yeah, but, that's, that's why they're there. Um, really quick before we go, I have yeah. to say with the bachelor thing, yeah. I think the key to getting organic casting back on the bachelor is you got to go back to the formula of really rich guys. Oh, interesting. 
because the guys that they have now are just people from previous seasons who, you know, have like fake jobs. Um, a lot of them are like software salespeople. Um, when the show had like legitimate millionaires as the bachelor, Andrew Firestone, money makes people fucking crazy and it makes loser chicks crazy. Like they just, they, they will do anything for a rich guy. That is their bottom line. So I think if you really want to bring out the genuine freaks on the bachelor again, you have to go to casting like famous people or people from generational wealth or like self-made multimillionaires. I'm into that. What if we, my all time favorite bachelor is Byron Velvick, the bass fisherman. Uh, (laughs) And that's, that was the year that they flexed a little older. Like what, you know, because you, you get a lot of these 36 year old guys and 22 and 23 year old girls. And that's just not gonna work ever like these these young yeah. girls are not and then the guys are not ready for these real relationships and of course they're not there for that reason but if you go if you get like a 42 year old guy and a bunch of 38 year old chicks and maybe <laughs> some of them are divorced and you know been through the wars like they smoke cigarettes they got you know bad pumps like that's where I'm at. That's the, that's the show I want to watch, but sadly I don't think we're ever going to see that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's unfortunate, but you, yeah, you bring up a good point. I think it would be funny if they, you got to get a little bit more of the desperation, the yes. built-in desperation there. Um, yeah. People that yeah. haven't heard of Inst- there what like, like what's Instagram now I'm on Facebook. I'm in, I, I support Trump on Facebook. See, like that's, that's who we want on there. People that are just have no clue what their potential is for being on the show. They're just there for love. And maybe, maybe you got to go a little older for that. I agree. That's I agree. That is brilliant. That's a brilliant point. They should, they should, if they don't do that on The Bachelor, you should pitch it I'm, like old Bachelor. For sure. You know, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to put it together. All right. Molly McAleer, it's been a long time coming. I'm so stoked that you agreed to do the show. You're a fantastic guest. We would love to have you back again. Thank you very much for being with us. Of course. Carl from Rosemead forever. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll let, I'll, well, Carl, Carl from Rosemead's going to listen to this because I happen to know he's a listener. Uh, so for Molly McAleer, my name is Brian Beckner. This has been the Baller Lifestyle Podcast from theballerlifestyle.com. We will see you next time. Broadcasting weekly, that's what we do. With Easy Ed Daily and a man, Jay Stew and Brian Beckner, quick to dissect the week in sports and culture and whatever. Talking loud, comments, conductors, my brothers, reviewing some movies. Movies and shows and others, top podcast man, no one is above us, five star, even the haters will love us, and we're not trying to talk politics a lot, we'd much rather talk about dicks a lot, shit's so hot, man you know the shit's on top, top podcast man, it really hits the spot, listen up you players and shot callers, TBLS, the lifestyle's baller, and you know the show is so flawless, TBLS, the lifestyle's baller, listen up you players and shot callers, TBLS, the lifestyle's baller, and you know the show is for all us, TBLS, the lifestyle's baller.